America spends five to ten times more on health care than any other country in the world. Then why does America rank number 43 worldwide for longevity? Third world countries such as Cuba and Costa Rica rank higher than the U.S. So what's wrong with health care in America? This is what's wrong. Our $3 trillion healthcare industry is focused on disease management, while 70% of our planet relies on traditional indigenous medicine that is focused on health optimization. Learn how. Join Dr. Dan Royal on the show, The Royal Treatment, bringing you the latest information on the best of medicine, biotechnology, and pharmacology, as well as secrets from the past. These secrets have withstood the test of time and are being rediscovered today. In fact, indigenous healthcare practitioners are using them for the benefit of their patients who seek optimal health and wellness. Now, here is Dr. Dan Royal. Greetings, listeners. I am Dr. Dan Royal, and you are now listening to The Royal Treatment. The Royal Treatment is broadcast every week from the Turtle Healing Band Clinic. That's right, THB Clinic here in Las Vegas. That's where I work. They are one of the sponsors of our program, and we have multiple providers. They're actually tribal providers. Probably not something you're familiar with, but this is a type of practitioner who employs medical alternatives in their practice. Tribal providers are licensed by the First Nation Medical Board, which is under the jurisdiction of the Crow Tribe of Indians. Crow Tribe of Indians have exercised some jurisdiction over the practice of traditional medicine, which includes all things alternative, complementary, integrative, holistic, etc. Now, that means that there is a place for providers of medical alternatives, not just here in the Turtle Human Clinic, but wherever your practitioners might be throughout all 50 states, because many of them need a home where they can be licensed and, frankly, supervised. And there are many physicians who need a place where they can be dual licensed, meaning that they can practice both alternative as well as conventional medicine, which is what I do. But if you're practicing conventional medicine without being dual licensed, then you are doing at the risk of losing your license. So we must be very careful. We know that patients want to be well, but sometimes that means just having your symptoms managed. We call that disease management. That's conventional medicine, the current insurance-based model for which medicine is being practiced, managing symptoms or managed care. But if you want optimal health and wellness, you're going to have to take matters into your own hands, and that's what we specialize in helping you to do, like health coaches. And we try to do so as naturally as possible. Recently, I had a patient in my office who came to me with four medications for which she had been prescribed. She actually had a viral outbreak of her lips. You know what I'm talking about, cold sores, that type of thing. But after the vesicle outbreak went away, she ended up with some tingling in her lips. It also caused some swelling. Of course, medicine has nothing for a virus, not really in in terms of trying to eradicate it. There are some medicines they can give you, but remember, all medicines have side effects. So he gave her an antihistamine-type prescription, plus three other drugs, blood pressure, bladder control, and a fourth medication. None of them were helping, really. So we ended up changing what she was doing to something natural. We'll be following up with her again tomorrow. Hopefully, she's doing much better. I suspect she probably is. But the point is that when you're taking medicines, they may or may not be helping, as they were not particularly helping or needed in her case. And there are many things that can be done that are natural, so to speak, using supplements, bioidentical hormones, homeopathic medicines, and so forth. We're going to talk about today we have a homeopathic medicine case we're going to be reviewing. We're going to talk about some current events, recent studies that have been published that you should probably know about. Hopefully, we'll get to a discussion about the supplement known as coenzyme Q10. But first, we're going to be reviewing obituaries. We want to look at who's dying too young from diseases that they shouldn't have had. Life expectancy in the U.S. declined for four years in a row. We set a new record for the history of the United States. 
by doing that. It increased slightly last year, such that life expectancy or the average between men and women is about 78.7 years of age, which means it's more around 76 for a man and 81 for a woman. So we're going to look at people who died too young from diseases they shouldn't have had just this last week locally and internationally. Let's start with the people here in Las Vegas, where I live, as well as in Reno, the two major cities here in the state of Nevada. We have a 29-year-old man who had a passion for health and fitness, passed away. 42-year-old woman who taught piano lessons, passed away. 45-year-old man, a construction project engineer, passed away. 51-year-old woman, a math teacher in middle school, passed away after a long, hard-fought battle with cancer. 54-year-old woman who worked as a dealer, passed away after her brave battle with cancer. 56-year-old man who worked in heating and air conditioning, passed away. 57-year-old man who worked as a carpenter, passed away suddenly. Sudden death syndrome from heart attack. 59-year-old man who worked for Albertsons and other beverage companies passed away. A 62-year-old woman passed away after a brief struggle with pneumonia and the flu in the hospital or the treatment of those conditions. 64-year-old man who worked as a food service manager passed away. Another 64-year-old man, a driver from cabs, limousines, and semi-trucks passed away suddenly. 66-year-old man who worked in the copy business passed away peacefully in his sleep which is also suddenly and unexpectedly. 68-year-old man who worked for the Bell Transportation Cab Company passed away. 70-year-old woman passed away from leukemia, a type of blood cancer. 71-year-old woman who worked in medical labs passed away from breast cancer. 72-year-old woman who worked with budget suites passed away from myelodysplastic syndrome and a type of leukemia, acute myelogenous leukemia. 73-year-old man who worked for the United States Post Office died from complications of acute myelogenous leukemia. And finally, a 74-year-old man, a property insurance underwriter, passed away from cancer. Well, those are the obituaries locally of people who died too young from diseases they shouldn't have had. Check your obituaries to see how they compare. I'm Dr. Dan Royal. You're listening to The Royal Treatment. and we're going to continue our discussion when we come back from the break. So please, my friends, stay with us. Ready for a live game of Clue? For nearly 30 years, Fun Time Theater has held private and monthly dinner murder mysteries. Each night is different, and each event includes dinner and a show. You're the detective, and your job is to figure out who did what to who and why. At the end of the night, a super sleuth and not-so-super sleuth are awarded prizes. This is a great event for a birthday or holiday party and team-building events for your office. Visit FunTimeTheater.com to make your reservations and use promo code RADIO for $5 off each admission. I spend a lot of time in the garage, but even more time in the rain, sleet, and mud. In 95, I helped tow your moving trailer. In 05, I helped you get out of a ditch. Yeah, I know I'm a bit rusty, and sadly in 09, it was sparks from me, your handy chains dragging behind your truck that accidentally started a wildfire. Sparks from dragging chains can start a wildfire. Spark a change, not a wildfire. Visit SmokeyBear.com. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Only you can prevent wildfires. One in three adults in America have pre-diabetes, but most don't know it. To let people know it can be reversed before it becomes type 2 diabetes, professional basketball player Julius Randle is doing everything in reverse. I'm only dunking with reverse windmills. I drove the whole way to practice in reverse. I don't recommend it. This move's called the reverse shuffle. I do recommend it. And it took me months to learn how to speak in reverse, like this. <clears throat> Here's 10 almost for diabetes type 2 with living Ben has mom my. In other words, my mom has been living with type 2 diabetes for almost 10 years. So together, we want to say to the 84 million Americans at risk, exercise and healthy eating can help reverse prediabetes. 
Start by taking a simple one-minute risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its prediabetes awareness partners. <laughs> Betty can't say that in reverse. Adopt U.S. Kids presents What to Expect When You're Expecting. A teenager learning the lingo. Hundo P. Hundo P. Adjective. Short for being 100% sure or certain. As in, if we get a puppy, I'll hundo P always walk it. <laughs> You don't have to speak teen to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same. Visit AdoptUSKids.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt US Kids, and the Ad Council. This is Oliver X. Join me in the superstar of Jenez Carter weekday mornings from 8 to 9 on the Reno Todd Tonight Show on America Matters Media. To join the conversation, call 844-790-TALK. That's 844-790-8255. Now, back to the show. We are back to the show, and thank you, my friends, for sticking with us. We're now in the second quarter of our show. And before the break, we were reviewing obituaries. Before we go on, I'd like to thank all of those who may be joining us from the Native Voice One Network. Welcome. We are now going to be talking about... People who died too young from disease they shouldn't have had just this last week internationally. These are international celebrity notables. Some you may know, most you probably won't, but they are all famous for something, and now they're gone. David Forney, American football player for the Navy Midshipmen, died at 22 years of age after being found unresponsive in his dorm room. Cause of death unknown. Usman Khan, Pakistani Olympic boxer back in 96 and 2000, died at 45 years of age from cancer. Mustafa Yusedek, Turkish soccer player for the national team, died at 53 years of age from a heart attack. Quinby Fung, Hong Kong novelist, died at 54 years of age from cancer. Pranji Barali, Indian film producer, died at 60 years of age after a long illness, which usually means cancer. Tapas Paul, Indian actor and politician, died at 61 years of age from a cardiac arrest. Gene Everett, American tennis player, died at 62 years of age from ovarian cancer. Mohammed El Hajam, Moroccan journalist, died at 64 years of age when he had a heart attack while waiting for a bus. Joaquin Mora, Portuguese Minister of Economy and Treasury, died at 67 years of age from a neurodegenerative disease. Heather Cooper, president of the British Astronomical Association and broadcaster, died at 70 years of age after a short illness. Your battle with cancer can be long, but it can also be short. Barbara Smith, American restaurateur and television host, died at 70 years of age from complications due to Alzheimer's disease. Remember, dementia is the supposed number one cause of death in the United Kingdom. A lot of theories for that, but that's the facts. Through Valapurther, try that again. Through Valapurther, Kali Muthri, Indian musical thaval artist, died at 71 years of age from a heart attack. Kelly Nakahara, American actress and artist, died at 72 years of age after a short battle with cancer. John Corcoran, an American folk singer, stuntman, and actor, died at 72 years of age due to complications from throat cancer. Jean-Pierre Calfon, French singer, died at 73 years of age from cancer. Janet Dubois, American actress and singer, died at 74 years of age after having apparently died in her sleep at home. We call that sudden death syndrome. Linda Johnson, American member of the North Carolina House of Representatives, died at 74 years of age from a stroke. Nick Kuti, American comic book artist, died at 75 years of age from cancer. Jaroslav Sima, Czech ice hockey player, died at 76 years of age after a long illness. Istvan Gali, Hungarian Olympic boxer back in 1968, died at 76 years of age after a long-standing serious illness. Cancer is serious. K.S. Manium, Malaysian writer, died at 78 years of age from bile duct cancer. Jens Nigar Knudsen, Danish designer, inventor of the Lego minifigure, 
died at 78 years of age from ALS, amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, or Lou Gehrig's disease. Cy Sperling, American pitchman and consumer products executive for Hair Club, died at 78 years of age after a lengthy illness. And finally, Du Yulu, Chinese actor, died at 79 years of age from lung cancer. Remember, the average life expectancy in the United States, that is, is 78.7 years of age, but it ranges between 76 and 81 for men and women. Well, that's the obituaries this last week of people who died too young from diseases they shouldn't have had when it comes to sudden death syndrome. We talked about this a little bit last week. There's only one test that can actually check to see if you are at risk for sudden death syndrome. Do you know what that is? You would think your cardiologist would check you for it. The fact is, they don't. They'll do the stress EKG to see if you have any abnormal heart rhythms for which they can prescribe medication or for which you might be a candidate for a procedure to place a stent because you're not getting enough oxygen to your heart or perhaps even to do cardiac bypass surgery. You can have a lack of oxygen to your heart, not just from plaque, that's the result of exposure to heavy metal toxins in our environment that set in motion a chain reaction resulting in plaque as the body tries to repair the damage. You can have a lack of oxygen from spasm. We've seen that from our own patients who have absolutely no plaque on their bodies, but spasm caused by such things as a magnesium deficiency can result in a lack of oxygen to the heart, heart attack, and death. So there are ways to check these things. We had a patient in our office yesterday where we were checking her nutritional deficiencies. We do that through SpectraCell. They take your white blood cells, grow it in media to see what you are deficient of. It takes a few weeks, but the results are accurate and reliable, which you cannot get from your local lab. So we'll see if she has any real deficiencies we need to pay attention to, to address and correct. The other test we talked about is for sudden death syndrome. That's called heart rate variability. It's a very simple test. It measures the time between your heartbeats. That time interval varies and gives us information about the autonomic system control that comes from your brain. Your brain controls about 90% of what's going in on in your body. That includes things you don't think about, your non-conscious bodily functions, such as the beating of your heart, breathing, digestion, hormone regulation, and so forth. So it's very important. This regulation is known as your sympathetic and your parasympathetic nervous system. Your sympathetic tends to stimulate things and your parasympathetic tends to slow things down. The actual test is non-invasive. It can be done in anyone's office, it's simply computer software that works on Bluetooth. It takes maybe five minutes. You lie down for a couple minutes, you stand up for a couple of minutes, the test is over. Now they have new technology where patients can be evaluated at home or their heart rate variability data can be gathered while they're sleeping to see if they're not only at risk for sudden death in your office, but at home while they're sleeping. You heard Earlier in the program, as we reviewed obituaries, some people simply die in their sleep. This can be diagnosed before it happens, and it can be treated. There are some tests that are predictive. We did a couple of those yesterday. We've talked in the past about doing a cancer antibody test called the anti-malignant serum antibody test, AMAS. It can be predictive up to 19 months in advance as to whether or not somebody is at risk of cancer. In other words, your body is recognizing and making antibodies against cancer, but it's not showing up yet in a CAT scan or in an MRI or any other way by which it might be diagnosed with imaging or perhaps even through your awareness. So for those people who are concerned, maybe they've had issues in the past and they want to stay in remission, this is a test for them or they're concerned about their risk because of inheritance and so forth. Well, let's see what else is going on. Here's a recent study that was published in China. It involved vitamin D deficiency and postmenopausal women. And the question was whether or not vitamin D deficiency could 
result in back pain. A retrospective analysis of these postmenopausal women with severe vitamin D deficiency, we're talking about serum levels under 10 nanograms per milliliter, had lower average bone density scores and greater low back pain scores versus women with normal vitamin D levels. This was performed at the Tanji University School of Medicine in Shanghai. Several pre-existing factors dispose women to a higher risk of moderate to severe low back pain, although severe vitamin D deficiency was the strongest. Here are some of the other pre-existing factors. Smoking, osteoporosis, lack of vitamin D supplementation, moderate vitamin D deficiency, or a higher basal metabolic index, meaning that they are overweight. Severe vitamin D deficiency was also tied to a higher grade of lumbar disc degeneration in the lower back, specifically the lumbosacral region of the vertebrae between the areas of L4 and S1. That's usually where most people are having their pain. Those with severe vitamin D deficiency also had a higher grade of disc degeneration in the upper lumbar region, but this didn't reach statistical significance. The author said this study shows that very low vitamin D levels were linked to a greater likelihood of moderate to severe back pain and more severe lumbar disc degeneration, possibly because of the beneficial effects vitamin D has on nerve and muscle pain sensitivity, muscle strength, and mass and inflammation. Although not all women need vitamin D supplementation, this study speaks to the importance of avoiding severe vitamin D deficiency states. The analysis included data on 232 postmenopausal women who attended the spinal surgery unit at a single hospital due to lower back pain. Based on MRIs, all women had some degree of lumbar disc degeneration, including intervertebral disc herniation, spinal canal stenosis, and or spinal instability. The vitamin D levels were measured with overnight fasting samples. And with an average vitamin D level of 19, 75% of the cohort had a vitamin D deficiency, while another 30% were considered severely vitamin D deficient, but only 12.5% of these women had normal vitamin D levels. The conclusion was that only extremely low vitamin D levels affect disc degeneration, but low vitamin D levels do, in fact, contribute to back pain. I'm Dr. Dan Roy. You're listening to The Royal Treatment. We're going to take a short break and come right back and continue our discussion. Stay with us. The Butcher's Kitchen Charbecue invites your family in for the best wood-fire, slow-cooked barbecue rotisserie and open char pit food around these parts. Charbecue on the corner of Virginia and Huffacre presents sliced Santa Maria tri-tip, beef brisket, and ribeye. Charbecue redefines homemade pork and specialty sausages. The all-meat chili reigns supreme in Reno. Charbecue, the Butcher's Kitchen, 7689 South Virginia at Huffacre, Winner's Crossing. Get in and get real. Charbecue, Reno. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, We'll probably stay together. Probably? (laughs) It's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, Okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. You wanted to see me? Yes, please, have a seat. So here's the thing. When this company brought you on, we took a chance on you. You didn't have that four-year college degree we typically look for. Right. But we gave you a shot anyway. And since then, you've worked incredibly hard and given it your all. Thanks. You've been an important asset to the team. But I don't think you can be an intern here anymore. (sighs) We want to hire you. You're, You're serious? Absolutely. Find your next great employee. Introduce yourself to the grads of life. Who are they? Talent worth knowing about. Young adults of unique determination and experience. An ideal fit for your company in an entry-level position, internship, or even mentorship. They might not have every qualification you typically look for, but they're exactly who your company needs. I won't let you down. I know. 
Don't miss out on a resource many innovative companies have already discovered. Go to gradsoflife.org to learn how to find, cultivate, and train this great pool of untapped talent. Brought to you by the Ad Council and gradsoflife.org. I'm a 40-year-old man that walked in there to get his high school diploma. It was very hard for me, but Miss Araceli, she gave me direction. At age 47, Marco finished his high school diploma. 50% of getting your high school diploma is walking through those doors. The other 50% is doing the work. No one gets a diploma alone. If you're thinking of finishing your high school diploma, you have help. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. This is America Matters Media on AM 1180 KCKQ. A Lotus Broadcast Station. The power of radio since 1967. Are you shy and don't want to talk on the air? Text us your questions or comments to 775-237-2266. Now back to the show. Back to the show and thank you for sticking with us. We're now in the third quarter of our show, The Royal Treatment with Dr. Dan Royal. Now, if you have a question for me, you can always send it to droyal at royalmedicalclinic.com. D is in Daniel Royal, R-O-Y-A-L, at royalmedicalclinic, all one word, dot com. Or you can call us here at the Turtle Healing Band Clinic at 702-562-1454. 702-562-1454. That's how you get a hold of me, Dr. Dan Roy, here at the Turtle Healing Band Clinic. Well, let's continue on with our discussion. As I mentioned earlier, we want to review a homeopathic case. Now, this is not my case, but this is a case of classical homeopathic medicine, which I thought you might find of interest. Classical homeopath simply prescribes one dose of a medicine at a time. I believe in synergy, so this is not how I practice, but what I find is interesting is how the patients respond to such remedies. So they will typically see a patient, they will take his case and come up with a homeopathic remedy and then follow the patient. But a homeopath is more thorough. He doesn't just look at lab work, although that's a part of it. He doesn't just look at the physical exam, although that's a part of it too. But the bigger part of a patient is the history, which can also include their mental and emotional symptoms. Those can actually be the greater indicators for a homeopathic remedy prescription. This one is about a five-year-old boy. Let's take a look. The child had been experiencing gastric problems since birth. His first three months, he had suffered from colic, followed by constipation with abdominal pains, crying, straining, ever since he was six months of age. He was also experiencing epigastric pains, which is, as you may know, just above your belly button and below your ribs. And this has been going on since he was about one and a half years of age. His next problem was heartburn and belching, which appeared when he was three years old. He actually had an endoscopy, which showed duodenitis and a positive helicobacter pylori test. As for his general symptoms, it's worth noting that the boy was hot generally or hot thermally and he liked to bathe in cool water and required a cold pillow and a blanket when going to sleep. He also refused to eat meat and preferred instead fish and gave up eating eggs altogether since he was two years old. He was an obedient, sociable child without any expressed fears. Now, the most unusual and striking symptom in this case was the belching with a mouthful of food. There's a homeopathic book called the Materia Medica by Borica. It states that antiperistaltic catastalsis or belching of the esophagus with the belch content of food in the stomach, in other words, everything goes up and nothing comes down, is typical for a specific homeopathic remedy called asafoetida. Asafoetida was chosen as a remedy of therapy in this case. And the child was given a dose of 30C. Now, remember that homeopathic prescriptions come in different potencies. A 30C means that the medicine has been due to 1 to 100 times, or 1 to 100, 30 times. Asafoetida 30C. A follow-up took place about a month after the first prescription. There were no pains in the stomach during this month. 
stool became more formed once a day. During palpitation of the epigastric region and the right hypochondrium, tenderness was still there. And two weeks after taking the remedy, the belching practically stopped. However, there was an appearance of a rash on the body accompanied by itching lasting a week, which reflected the manifestation of something we know in homeopathy as Herring's Law of the Cure. Herring's Law of the Cure means that when someone is getting better, it can happen in one of three ways. The healing occurs from the top down, from the inside out, or in reverse order in which those symptoms appeared. Two months after the onset of therapy, the child developed an acute respiratory infection. He was given a homeopathic dose of belladonna. This was prescribed for treating his acute condition. The temperature started decreasing. The headache was gone. The child fell asleep to wake up the next morning feeling perfectly well. Four months since the onset of therapy, belching occurred more frequently again. So he received a second dose of asafoetida, but in a higher potency, 200C. This didn't seem to have the desired effect. And so when the patient returned, he was given an higher dose still, asafoetida 1M. That means the homeopathic remedy has been diluted 1 to 100 now a thousand times. During the second year follow-up, there were three acute episodes for which he was given nothing the first time, belladonna the second time, and lycopodium the third time. These are lower potency homeopathic remedies given to treat the acute symptoms. But the basic prescription for asphytida remained the same. Following each acute state, the patient's main pathology aggravated and he received another dose of that remedy, asphytida, in the 200C potency. There were a few more short-term episodes of skin eruptions, but without any itching. After three and a half, five years of therapy, the given pathological symptoms were simply not observed. The child returned to a healthy group, and he got sick with an acute respiratory infection just one time of year, but in a light form without any considerable rise in temperature. The follow-up of this case in five years demonstrates a success in the application of remedy rarely used in homeopathic practice, asafoetida. The patient's recovery is compliance with Herring's Law of the Cure and return to a higher level of health. But what's interesting to note is that he was given infrequent prescriptions. The homeopathic physician stuck with his original prescription as long as it proved to show the patient was improving. And he was concerned not just with his immediate results, but with his long-term change, which took five years. So when he first saw the patient, he was five years old. By the time he finished, the patient was now 10 and in a much healthier condition from which he had suffered for five years prior to even seeing the homeopath. So that's an example of a homeopathic case, a classical homeopathic case. We use homeopathic remedies for our patients, sometimes for the short term, sometimes for the long term. Remember, the key to taking homeopathic remedy is not how much you take. It's how frequently you take it. So, for example, when we give our patients some flu medication, there may be a vial of granules in that container and we tell them simply fill the cap full and take a dose and that way you can get multiple doses out of one vial because it's the frequency and not the amount and as a general rule the more acute the symptoms the more frequently you take the homeopathic medicine this last week even i developed some flu symptoms and staying home from work for the first time in my career 30 years and how did i get better I simply took homeopathic remedies. I took the homeopathic flu medicine repeatedly throughout the day, alternated with another remedy for symptoms. For The only symptoms I really had were body aches with some queasiness. And by the next day, I was over 90% recovered, returned to work, and felt perfectly well. But I had patients recently who were in bed for three weeks. Another patient was in bed for two weeks with the flu. And as we've talked about before, we do have an acute way of treating those patients using dilute hydrochloric acid. It's diluted one to 500 times. It's been around for decades. There's even a book published on it, if it's still in print. Probably not. But it documented the many ways by which dilute hydrochloric acid was effective in treating infection when given either IV push or IM injection. We use it to make a homeopathic isoid for our, our patients.
And by doing this and giving this hydrochloric acid, some IV push, some mixed with the patient's blood to create a homeopathic isode and inject it intramuscularly, the patients recover within 24 to 36 hours. Nevertheless, you should always be prepared and keep homeopathic remedies on hand. You should have a homeopathic first aid kit. There are some remedies when I travel around the world, I never go without. One of which is the homeopathic flu medicine. You never know what's going to happen. And you should be stocking up, frankly, on homeopathic flu medicine, given what's happening in the state of affairs around the world. Because when things go bad, some of these supplies will not be available. Well, we're going to be talking about CoQ10 during the next segment of our show. CoQ10 is a very important supplement. Years ago, Carl Spokers, who actually discovered CoQ10, was taking it with soybean oil. He was taking it with soybean oil because it needs an oil for it to be dissolved. However, it was theorized some time ago that a better product would be coconut oil. In fact, in 2010, Japanese researchers did an independent study using different vegetable oils in CoQ10 products. Coconut oil provided the highest bioavailability of all vegetable oils tested. And that's what we use with our product in the office. CoQ10 is very effective in the treatment of certain conditions, or I should say well-known for the treatment of certain conditions, such as congestive heart failure. It's a weakness of energy, and this weakness of energy is at the cellular level with the mitochondria, where CoQ10, CoQ10 is needed for the powerhouses to produce their energy. A clinical study showed that CoQ10 showed efficacy in reducing damage, also caused by contrast. I'm talking about contrast used for imaging, such as MRI and CT scans. In a study involving 150 patients who took CoQ10 along with a drug, researchers noted that the group taking the CoQ10 and the drug had a much lower rate of kidney damage as opposed to those who did not take CoQ10 and the drug, but much lower. We're talking about 6.7% versus 21.3% of the patients. And the authors wrote that contrast-induced nephropathy is one of the common hospital-acquired acute renal failures, even though the media reports the boilerplate answer that contrast MRIs are safe. I'm Dr. Dan Royer. Listen to the Royal Treatment. We're going to continue our discussion after the break on CoQ10. Stay with us. So here's the choice. Some people say the USA is finished. It's evil. A has-been. Full of hate and injustice. The U.S. Constitution should be trashed and the Bill of Rights abolished. No free speech. No gun ownership. Competition and free markets are bad. We're all too stupid. For our own good, the government must own everything and know all your secrets. Other people say that America has created the freest, richest, happiest, most generous society that has ever existed in the world. That's why millions of people are desperate to come here and escape their brutal lives in Cuba, Venezuela, North Korea, and 100 other countries. In America, we have the right to succeed, the right to our own living, the right to have a family, the right to believe in God, the right to have our own ideas, the right to be safe and secure, and the right to be left alone. Where do you stand? Help us save the Constitution and restore the American dream. Go to SaveMyFreedom.com. Brought to you by the American Media Council. Rich is just a really, really, really good guy. The term good egg isn't enough to describe him. He's also certified organic and free range. Rich puts the cap back on everything. The toothpaste, the olive oil, the shampoo, everything. He lets his 10-year-old nephew beat him at virtual tennis, even though he can straight up slay his 10-year-old nephew in virtual tennis. When the toilet paper is running low, Rich replaces the roll on the actual holder, not just on the back of the toilet. Rich is texting and driving. Rich, no, what are you doing, Rich? I was just telling everyone how great you are. Texting and driving makes good people look bad. Visit StopTextStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. 
Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff. Even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover guitar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. This is America Matters Media on AM 1180 KCKQ. A Lotus Broadcast Station. The power of radio since 1967. Want to expand your advertising dollar? Sponsor this or any America Matters program by calling 775-827-8900, extension 2. Now back to the show. Back to the show, my friends, and thank you for sticking with us in the fourth quarter of our show. I'm Dr. Dan Royer, and you are listening to The Royal Treatment. Our goal for this radio program is to help you learn one new thing. My philosophy is if you're able to learn one new thing, whether it's from attending a medical seminar or reading a book or listening to our show, that you're able to learn one new thing. And if that happens, then your time has been well spent. Because time is the one thing that we have control over, and it's the one thing we can decide how we're going to invest. So thank you for taking the time to invest with us. Before the break, we were talking about CoQ10. CoQ10 is a supplement. As we stated before the break, it is best absorbed when combined with coconut oil, which is what we use in our office for our patients. Now, we want to look at some of the ways by which CoQ10 can bless your life. We know that CT scans are responsible for 15,000 deaths per year in America. And we need protection against the dyes or the radioactive substances that are being used for those scans. CoQ10 can help. Researchers found that CoQ10, as well as other substances such as alpha lipoic acid, which we also use for our patients, showed promise for the protection against radiation. As previously stated, the medical establishment is the one who has admitted that CT scans or computed tomography scan alone are responsible for these 15,000 deaths every year in America. So be forewarned and be forearmed with CoQ10 and possibly alpha lipoic acid. CoQ10 also helps neurological systems. CoQ10 also helps lessen symptoms and inflammatory markers in multiple sclerosis patients. According to a study involving patients taking 500 milligrams of CoQ10 versus a placebo in a 12-week period. Now, CoQ10 showed significant results, or I should say benefits, as well as results for pre-treatment of spinal cord injury in an animal study. Pre-treatment resulted in significantly improved neurological function and preservation of more normal motor neurons. So CoQ10 was found to help in multiple sclerosis patients, as well as in pretreatment for surgery, neurological surgeries. It's no secret also that statin drugs impair your CoQ10, but I'm not sure the average person knows this. When you're taking statin drugs, which, by the way, contribute to causing dementia, all drugs have side effects. We mentioned last week, even the over-the-counter Tamiflu has the side effect of dementia, as well as mortality, meaning it can kill you. You can find those side effects on the website for Tamiflu. I'm not making this up. But what you need to remember is that all prescription medications have been approved for one thing, but many things can go wrong. We call those 
side effects. And one of the serious side effects of taking statin drugs is the impairment of CoQ10, meaning while you're lowering your cholesterol, you're also affecting your heart in a adverse or negative way. In a study where researchers bluntly stated statins are widely used in patients with hyperlipidemia and with high risk of cardiovascular diseases, unfortunately, statins also exert some adverse effects on the liver and pancreas and enhance the risk of type 2 diabetes mellitus. Now, these researchers noted that statins increased glucose levels and decreased insulin secretion in the animals that they studied. So in other words, while you're treating one problem, you're creating another. But when CoQ10 and L-carnitine were used, which is an amino acid, and many of you know that that's obtained from meat sources naturally, when they were used together, statin-induced toxicity was sharply curtailed. The researchers concluded, our study provided new evidence supporting beneficial effects of CoQ10 and L-carnitine on statin-induced pancreatic toxicity, meaning it was helping to it was helping to prevent the adverse side effects of statin drugs, which were increasing your blood sugar and, and reducing the effectiveness of your insulin. Some researchers encouraged the use of CoQ10 along with other nutritional supplements because of the synergistic effect of substances such as CoQ10, carnitines, and D-ribose. The researchers point out that you can't do this with pharmaceutical drugs. That's because when you combine drugs, they have dangerous side effects. We call those interactions. We encourage our customers to take as many key nutrients as possible for synergistic effects. Now, here's some other studies that support this idea. An animal study concluded that CoQ10 in conjunction with benfodiamine, an ingredient found in a product we use in our practice called blood sugar support, helped reduce kidney damage caused by gentamicin, an antibiotic known for its negative side effects. Another case in point for multiple nutrients in CoQ10 exists in a study involving children suffering from autism, where CoQ10 was used along with many health-giving substances. Researchers wrote that based on the results, high doses of CoQ10 can improve gastrointestinal problems and sleep disorders in children with ASDs, autism spectrum disorders, with an increase in the CoQ10 of the serum. Now, the researchers concluded that the serum concentration of CoQ10 and oxidative stress could be used as relevant biomarkers in helping the improvement of ASDs, the autism spectrum disorders. The point that other supplements work well with CoQ10 is made in a 2019 study, which reviewed 16 studies, making it a meta-analysis, showing that CoQ10 helped statin-related fatigue and fibromyalgia patients compared with other disease-related fatigue. On its own, CoQ10 worked with these two situations, but in other areas, not so much. So it works best in combination with other products. And I'm a big believer in Synergy myself. The evidence for CoQ10 is so compelling in heart disease that some researchers are advocating it be used in place of regular cardiovascular drugs rather than just along with them. In a study involving 101 dyslipidemic or abnormal cholesterol level patients who took only 120 milligrams of CoQ10 for 24 weeks, researchers concluded 24-week treatment of CoQ10 ameliorates multiple cardiovascular disease risk factors. The versatility and safety of CoQ10 makes it a potential candidate for the primary prevention of cardiovascular disease. These researchers are not recommending that patients ditch conventional medication without consulting their health professionals. Of course, we always have to make that statement, but nevertheless, we have pointed out that it should be considered in the treatment of patients with cardiovascular risk factors of any kind and in combination with other nutrients. Triglycerides or a, a type of blood sugar storage are implicated in many health-related issues and CoQ10 helps it as well. A meta-analysis which selected 21 controlled trials involved 514 patients and 525 controls found that CoQ10 significantly reduced serum triglycerides and helped improve cholesterol profiles. CoQ10 helps the vascular endothelium, the inner lining of your vessels. The endothelium dysfunction is a cardiovascular risk factor, which occurs when lesions form in blood vessels. This precedes atherosclerosis. Well, what about heart failure? 
That's the one thing most people think about. CoQ10 helped patients with severe heart failure in a clinical trial, which is said to be the largest placebo-controlled study of CoQ10 for heart failure in the world to date. The trial involved 420 patients with severe heart failure. Those who took CoQ10 had a 43% decrease in cardiovascular death compared to the placebo group. Only 15% of the patients in the CoQ10 group experienced serious heart events compared to 26% of the patients who received a placebo, corresponding to a 43% relative reduction, which is a statistically significant result. Supplementation with CoQ10 also significantly reduced the risk of death from all causes by 42% compared to the placebo group. Do you want to live? It sounds like you have a 42% increased chance of doing so if you take CoQ10. The study results brought a leading physician to say the following. This study gives rise to seriously adding to the guidelines for the treatment of heart failure patients CoQ10. I predict CoQ10 supplements will become a common treatment worldwide for these patients. Well, CoQ10 has also been found to be helpful in treating even infectious conditions such as pneumonia. CoQ10 helped elderly patients suffering from severe pneumonia. This is a spectacular benefit. Iranian medical professionals used 200 milligrams of CoQ10 in elderly patients with community-acquired pneumonia, also known as hospital pneumonia. In a 14-day study done at 3, 7, and 14-day intervals, they enrolled 150 patients for the research, then 141 patients, including 70 patients in the trial or group, and 71 patients in the control group were then analyzed. Patients on CoQ10 had fevers decline faster and shorter hospital stays compared to the placebo group. The subgroup analysis of the patients with severe pneumonia showed differences in clinical cure at day 14. Treatment failure was less in the CoQ10 group than in the placebo group. And adverse events in the two groups were few and similar. CoQ10 with antibiotic therapy worked well and remarkably in the severely affected. We theorized, said the researchers, that stronger doses may have helped even more. Well, there's more to talk about, and we can go on, and we'll probably continue our discussion on this subject next week, because one of the things that people are concerned about with CoQ10 is, what's the difference between ubiquinol and ubiquinone? We'll talk about that next week in more detail. But in the meantime, I thank you for listening to me, Dr. Dan Royal and the Royal Treatment, and I hope your time with us has been well spent, and you have, in fact, my friends, learned one new thing. We'll be back again next week with another episode of The Royal Treatment. But until then, my friends, may you all be forewarned and forearmed and be well. <laughs>